Welcome everyone to the newest edition of Career Talk. My name is Caitlin Forth. I'm the International Employer Liaison Officer here at Careers Network at the University of Birmingham. And I am really excited because today we are joined by Tianhao He, who is one of our graduates from the University of Birmingham. Welcome Tian, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I thought we would start out, if you don't mind, by um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you studied at UOB, and what your current job is? Okay, so I come from China and I came to UK roughly more than 10 years ago. And I spent the four years in the Birmingham University from a PhD study with the Electric, Electronic and Computer Science Engineering School. I think it's now it's merged into the engineering of the school. Yeah. yeah, and I study about um, microwave engineering. I learn how to design, test, and fabricate the uh, microwave communication systems. And after that, after the 2015, I joined BT, and then that's the company I'm currently working for. I'm now working as a network planning specialist. So I'm okay. looking after the whole BT's network. Oh, wow. uh, which is most uh, a moment with uh, some focus on the core network. So you and it has been the BDS has played an important role, especially during the difficult time of the COVID, and to get everyone connected to enable everyone to work from home and get connected with other friends and relatives. Definitely, I think um, you know, like you say, now more than ever, uh, we rely so heavily heavily excuse me on um on the internet and on technology to keep in touch with family who we aren't able to see still because of travel to keep in touch um during business meetings i mean um it wasn't that long ago that even at the university we weren't regularly doing kind of video meetings or webinars and things like that so um i think the pandemic has really forced that but um it's brought about a lot of positive change. So I imagine you've been really busy over the last few years. Yeah, the BT Broadband is not just the only products we have, <laughs> and we have the national infrastructure for the whole network. So that's okay. covers a lot of different operators, which means other operators will depend on BT's network to operate their own business, their own telecom. Okay. And uh, they would have five feel proud of is it's a quite a critical infrastructure to get the things smoothing and it has provided infrastructure for the 999 and for the NHS as well. Oh wow. So it like you say it is completely critical and yeah. you know required for this country to run effectively. Um yeah. so broadly speaking, um what does your role involve on a day-to-day -day basis? Okay, my day-to-day -day basis is about the capacity planning. So, because the mobile broadband has emerged quite a lot and more people are in, enjoy using more of the data rather than sending text messages or yeah. making phone calls. And the capacity requirement has, has been increased dramatically. More and more people are consuming the data. So, we need to look after the capacity we have to meet the requirement and to try to minimize the cost because of the 
infrastructure cost the money and the mm -hmm. electricity cost the money and we have a huge cost increase of the electricity so that is trying to balance the demands of the capacity and minimize the cost to have the best business benefits interesting so um i mean from people who kind of aren't involved in that or aren't within that field we I mean, really, obviously, just take for granted the fact that we can just pick up our phone and start using our data and, um, you know, that unlimited data. But I guess even over the last few years alone, that data usage will have gone up, you know, astronomically compared to what it was um, both pre-pandemic, but also, you know, um, with the evolution of smartphones being much more um, capable as well, I think. Um, yeah. it sounds it sounds like such an important job um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's so important it, it's like a, because the, the problems communication is like a, a utility yeah definitely. it's like your electricity your yeah. gas and your water now is the broadband we'd it's be lost so, without it yeah it's so fundamental and you don't <laughs> notice you only notice us when you don't have access to that <laughs> yeah. and then people get really angry yeah <laughs> um so then when you when you were studying um when you went to university both for your your undergraduate your postgrad um and when you were doing kind of phd what did you envisage you would do as a job did you did you want to go into kind of this line of work i know that you said that you were studying more kind of microwave systems yeah um what what were you hoping to do after your studies or did you have a clear path yeah so in my bachelor degree we actually studied with the liverpool university as mm -hmm. the about uh, the telecommunications so okay it's telecom and then yeah. i moved uh, more into the hardware design with the university of birmingham and okay. and it's 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 different but it's still cover the whole range of the telecom industry. So it's the IT industry. And so you, uh, after my finish my job, my study, I think that BT is one of the best company to work for, which is the, because that was the biggest company in UK for the telecom, probably is still now is the biggest one. Definitely. And I mean, you know, like you say, everyone that um, gets internet put into their house has to have a BT line. <laughs> Um, yeah. But in the, there is that um, it's 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 kind of everywhere. Um, yeah. And when you when you were studying, were you did you always know that you wanted to stay in the UK, or um, were you planning on returning to China or going elsewhere? What um, what were your plans when you were studying? I when I was doing my research in Birmingham University, I do have a strong ambition to stay in UK to have more experience in UK. So I do spend, uh, I, I come to the career fairs of the University of Birmingham mm -hmm. from the first year of my degree. So right. I'm trying to understand different of the sectors and the different job opportunities. I think that's really, that's really important to kind of touch upon as well, because, um, you know, you're familiar with um, kind of careers network and and what we have available and um, so many students wait until the end of their studies to kind of start thinking about um, their career prospects or their career plans and um, a lot of people will 
will spend the majority of their studies um, focusing on their studies, which which obviously is very important. Um, but then they don't focus on their career until the very end and they miss out on, on lots of these opportunities. For instance, you know, like you say, the career fairs, most of them tend to happen in autumn term. So for students that are here just doing a master's, if they're only here for one year, you have to kind of hit the ground running. So I think yeah. you were um, very wise to kind of start from, from early on and looking at different sectors and exploring your options and seeing what was available. Um, so were you, um, I'm guessing that you would have originally stayed on a, on a tier two sponsorship visa, is that right? Yeah. And did you, how did you find that process in terms of um, finding a company that would sponsor you um, going through the visa process? Did you find it difficult or did you feel it as though it was relatively straightforward because you were so skilled and specialist in your studies? I think it's quite straightforward for the company to do this process, but it's not straightforward for students looking for jobs because now most companies adopt some application form to say if you need the sponsorship. When I apply for jobs, there's no those options that much. So okay. I have to ask them, the companies, if they are willing to sponsor any visa. If they say no, I just uh, ignore those any of the applications. That saved me a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's difficult as well because some companies um you know, they have the sponsorship license and they're technically able to sponsor, but, um, you know, as a matter of course, don't necessarily go through the sponsorship process unless it is for an exceptional candidate. And unless they know um, that a candidate is, is worth it or is, it, you know, exceptional, they're not willing to commit to whether or not they would sponsor. So I'd imagine that when you're going through that process, it's incredibly stressful trying to find companies that will sponsor, will you sponsor, and then going through um, the whole application process and everything. Is there anything, did you find that application process um, different to what you were expecting? Or is there anything that kind of as an international student you found was um, more difficult than you were expecting or was different to how it would have been had you been applying back home? I think during for the job application process, that's it's like a standard way. So any okay. anyone to apply for a job will be the same. But sometimes you need have the option to tick if you need the visa sponsorship or not. Yeah. And uh, after the recruitment, or, I mean after all those interviews, and uh, then the the tricky part of coming in is uh, how the company will work with you to get your visa sponsored. So that's the tricky part, and it has to be carefully looked after. And um, I'm guessing that BT as a, as a really large company would have had kind of a dedicated yeah. person or team. So they, it would have been something that they were familiar with and willing to go through that process to make sure that it was all yeah. above large board. Yeah, large corporations have dedicated HR team to working on those visa issues. And they usually they oft, after source those recruitment, not, not recruitment, the, the waste application process to immigration companies and they usually will pay for that. Great. And so how did you find, um, just going back a little bit to the recruitment process itself, 
um, did you find it um, very stressful or um, was there any element of it that you found um, kind of more difficult than you were expecting or surprising? Um, you know, what, I guess, firstly, what were the stages? Did you have um, your traditional kind of um, initial interview, maybe a second interview and then an assessment center? Hmm. I think for, for standards, new recruitment, they usually have like application forms with CV and then go through some online test and then telephone interview and maybe then the assessment center. Uh, what I don't like the most is the online test because it can be very stressful. And yeah. for, for some of the like numerical or comprehension test, that is very difficult. Yeah. And I, I somehow don't see the point to have that. I think, um, and some companies are kind of moving away from those. I think some companies maybe use them as a way to weed out applicants. Yes. Um, but I also think that, you know, personally, I think sometimes that might be a little bit short-sighted because um, you're, I guess they all have to um, narrow down candidates in some way. Um, yeah. But it's frustrating for the applicant because it's often uh, difficult to see why it's relevant to the role that you'll be doing um, mm. or you know it doesn't give you an opportunity to really showcase um, your skills as such. Yeah that, that's some of the methods that companies use to screen out application. Yeah and I mean we do have at the university there are there are um, kind of programs that you can use and and online tools and everything to help prepare you for those um, yeah. psychometric testing and everything. Did you use any tools like that? Did you find any resources online or, or within the careers department to kind of help prep you for that process or were you going into it kind of blind? I, I, I purposely picked the companies don't ask me to do online tests. <laughs> okay, that's very clever. <laughs> yeah, but because I have tried several times and I didn't do that well because I yeah. don't have the ambition or don't have the time to doing that practice. Yeah. <laughs> but I do find the career network has provided very valuable help on CV and monk interviews yeah. and the application forms and like uh, to improve my job application English. That's how I think that has makes me stand out. And I think that's really important is that you know um uh CVs and um, the type of writing and um, vocabulary that you would use in um, a job application or in, or in your resume is often very different to spoken English. Um, mm. But it's also the formats are very different all over the world. What you would expect in the US versus the UK is really different. What you would expect in China is very different. So I think it's really important for all students to take advantage of of kind of the services in terms of making sure that your CV is ready and, and things like that, but also especially international students to make sure that you aren't missing out on opportunities because of a small grammatical issue or just a, a phrase that's maybe slightly different and things like that, um, that would be forgiven in spoken English, but yeah. is less so in written. And I think, um, you know, like I was saying about about the testing, employers will often get thousands and thousands of applications. So 
a lot of employers will run CVs through a program to kind of get rid of any that have um, errors or aren't in the right format. So it's particularly important um, for international students to make sure that they're going into it with the best opportunity available and getting CVs ready. I know um, some areas of the institution are suggesting to prospective students before they come that the one thing they can do before they start university is have a go at writing their CV so that when they um, when they start at the university and when they um, are kind of going to those first careers appointments, they've at least got a CV to show and something to work with. And I think um, things like that are really important. So did you have, um, did you have any kind of one-to-one -one careers advice appointments and, um, and things like that whilst you were here? Yeah, when I, I use the service a lot when I'm doing the job applications at the end of the year of my study. So I have usually I booked like several times a month to mm -hmm. with the checking. And uh, there were some workshops in the career network. I tried to book most of them to, to get familiar with the process to understand that. That's great. And it's, I mean, it, you're, you're kind of our, our dream student <laughs> um, because you were so proactive and you knew that in order to have the best opportunities, it's really important to kind of make the most of your time and and um, and really inform yourself about all of the resources that are available. And and like you say, you booked several times. We don't have, you know, we don't have a set amount of resources. You know, you can't just take advantage of one thing once. Uh, we have yeah. lots of opportunities to get involved with careers networks. I think it, I think it's a I think it's a win-win situation for students to go to career network or those employment services, which means like students can get more familiar and confidence about job education, and okay. it can keep the career network people the, the career network people busy. Yeah, <laughs> and that can roughly increase the headcounts, which means we have stronger demand for students to have those services, which means the Career network can grow the teams, have more, exactly. more that way. And, and I think also employment and alumni career will increase the kind of university reputation. Definitely. It's just, you know, it's a cycle. And um, I think the more that students know about the services that are available, the more that they'll engage with them. And and so that's kind of what, what we try and do within careers is we're available at lots of different points, either within the college or centrally with the career fairs. Um, some people think of kind of career services as just um, help with a job application and a career fair, but we offer so many other ways to get involved. Um, where did you, I'm interested to hear about kind of um, where you looked for jobs. Did you search for jobs were there job boards in particular did you use uh, like careers connect at the university was it mainly through the career fairs that you found out about what positions were available or how did you find out about um what companies were hiring in roles that you were interested in okay job career fair is quite an important one and then when i joined the bt i, I do this compact with the university twice to presents as the career fair. Yeah. Like some gift 
give back. And, and also, the, like Indeed or LinkedIn is quite an important website for understanding the job market as well. Yeah. And do you, um, did you network during your time at university? Did you um, go to any events and try and meet people from the companies or were you more focused on kind of honing your application skills? Uh, Sometimes I network with people, but not like uh, to need to know some people can introduce me into a company. But yeah. most I find the useful for me is to I know some people in that industry, so I can understand the industry or sector much better. And I think that's really key, especially when you're looking at applying for jobs in a particular sector or within a particular company. If you yeah. know someone within that company or within that sector that can give you some, some insight into what, what actually happens or what the company culture is like or what the day-to-day -day is like, all of that information helps you when you go to your application and your interviews because it shows that you've actually done your research and yeah. it shows that you you know you understand what you would be getting yourself in for um yeah. if you were to get a job in that in that um company so kind of it sounds like you were really well prepared for for the whole application process and the getting the job aspect how did you find that transition from university to working did you, was it as expected? Was there anything um, that you found particularly tricky going from being um, a full-time student to a full-time employee? What what was kind of um, your experience? I think that the, some difference is like uh, when I study as a student, full-time students, most of it work on my own. Yeah. And in operations or operations, most of the projects need to be done in a team. So the teamwork has to be crucial. And the communication skills and how to communicate and work with different people has played more important role than study in a university. Because you study your university in the in the library or sixth exam is your mostly on your own. Yeah. And but working in corporations you work with a lot of people and you need to know the people and you can get them help. Yeah. I think that's really important. And that's why, um, you know, we offer things like consultancy challenges and boot camps on campus and um, opportunities for students to participate in kind of um, group um, either challenges or um, mini internships or um, kind of competitions because it helps kind of hone those those softer skills um, that are really important to employers and um, you know being able to work well in a team and being adaptable and resilient and a critical thinker and a problem solver are all really important skills that um, whilst you do learn a lot of those things whilst you're studying some um, I guess some of them the degree programs where you work more independently yeah. you know you you need those skills so we try and offer those in lots of different ways did you um did you find that did you engage with societies or anything whilst you were studying were you involved in any extracurriculars or any part-time jobs or societies i i don't work with societies but i do work with the working okay yeah and what I... what did you do while you were working 
I do all kinds of uh, part-time job with university and uh, mostly it's with the university itself, like uh, I work closely with the career networks. Yep. And uh, like the, I think there's, there was event is called poster conference. Yeah. That was an interesting one. And I spent some time working in our, in our small restaurants in the university center for okay. several days. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting experience. <laughs> so I do have some, those are really good experiences though because even though they're not necessarily related to the um, career field that you were going into any experience is a good thing to add to your cv because they show that you know they show those kind of softer skills like teamwork and communication and adaptability and the fact that you would have had lots of kind of shorter part-time job shows that you have um, that versatility and and those are all things that employers are looking for because um, a lot of companies there are you know niche technical elements that are um, are kind of um, relevant only to that company and so they're happy to kind of train people on those but it's also the softer skills and the more personality-based skills that they need to be kind of inherent within you. So those are all things that students can get while, while they're studying, you know, on top of your studies to, to engage. Um, yeah, I think it's important for international students to spend time working some part-time jobs in like English working settings. So that mm -hmm. can improve their speaking and listening skills and improve their confidence working with English people or I mean English speaking people, because the language can be the biggest challenging for looking for jobs and uh, attending those interviews. Definitely, and I think um, you make a good point about confidence as well. I think um, a lot of students have a very, very exceptional command of English language international students do. They have to, to come here um, and to study, but I think it's that confidence of, um, you know, putting yourself out there and speaking in front of other people or um, widening your social circles and getting to know lots of people from lots of different countries as well, all broadens your perspective and gives you that confidence. And I think in terms of language skills, the UK in particular for such a small country has so many uh, vastly different accents as well. I think when, I mean, even, even English being my first language, I'm not from the UK and I still struggle occasionally with very um, strong UK accents. So I think the more experience you can have with lots of different accents and lots of different people is going to help you in that application process when you need to showcase your linguistic skills. Um, kind of going back to um, your current role, what do you think, um, do you have any advice for students who are currently studying that are looking to get into the telecommunications sector in terms of what they can do to make themselves more hireable or what they can do to do more research into the area? I think one thing I would advise, if students can do, can do some internships, that's to take a chance to do the internship. That can make people really stand out. And especially when their CVs can show some work experience in that industry that can make them send out yeah 
I think that's a really good point. And I think also um, we're hearing, you know, it's it's not a secret that a lot of companies will hire from their internship pools as well. They'll yeah. offer graduate placements. So it's an opportunity for a student to have a, an extended interview, if you will, over several weeks to really showcase who they are as an individual and what they're capable of and whether or not they fit within the company culture. So I think it's really important to take it's advantage. It's also important for the students to work in the industry understand if they really work, if they really want, want to work in this company, but like this industry, because it's a tool interview. The company is looking for if you fit for the job. You need to look if the company fits for your purpose. I couldn't have said it any better. And I think also sometimes students forget that or they don't um, they don't put as much emphasis on on the fact that they're also interviewing a company to mm. decide if it's somewhere that they would feel comfortable working or if it's an industry that they actually want to work in. Because I think often it's very different learning about something than it is working within that area in practice. And it's really important. We spend so much of our lives at work. It's really important to be somewhere that you feel comfortable and that you have a good fit. And mm. it makes you more successful as well. If you're in a job that you like in a company that you enjoy and that you feel is a good cultural fit for you, you're more likely to do well in that environment than you yeah. are if you're somewhere that you don't feel comfortable. Um, do you think there are many options um, for um, UK educated international students within your organization or within um, the, te the telecommunications industry? I, I think so. And the, 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 those telecom companies are still open vacancies for all applications. And especially also the PSW program have given the company more flexible of the visa options. And that's Definitely. good news for international students. Oh, it's fantastic. The new graduate route visa has really opened up doors for so many international students who wanted to stay in the UK um, and at least have an opportunity to work in the UK a little bit, either before re returning to their home country or as a trial to see if it's somewhere that they wanted to stay longer term. So that graduate route takes a little bit of pressure off students and gives them an opportunity and it takes some of the pressure off of employers as well because students are able to apply for that visa and um, the onus isn't as much on the employer to kind of take a leap of faith on on new hires um what do you think uh, the biggest challenges right now are for your industry i know you already kind of mentioned the rapid um, kind of expansion of um, data usage and just generally the infrastructure and the usage um, of telecommunications and also the increase in, in energy prices and trying to kind of keep costs down. Yeah. What other challenges is, do you think those are the biggest challenges currently facing telecommunications? In terms of most of the companies, the biggest trick is, is about the cost management. So mm -hmm. we need to manage the cost to, to minimize the cost uh, while we keep our operations running. And that's one thing. And also, especially for the telecoms, the cybersecurity has been quite important. Mm -hmm. And uh, is, is the critical infrastructure to 
help people connect it, but we need to keep people connected securely. That's it's quite challenging. Yeah, and I think data security um, will only get more important with you know, the more that people keep online in terms of all of our banking data and all of our personal data, and, you know, you have all of these companies collecting big data as well, it's really important that um, we as a society, but also large corporations in particular, are able to um, kind of guarantee some level of protection of data as well. What's the biggest reward that you get out of your job? Um, aside from salary, obviously. It's kind of the shared achievements because you know your daily work makes difference or makes impact on other people. If you, you get the people connected, you get the hospital connected, you get the 999 connected, you get the, the whole country connected. I think that's really, really critical to say in that what you do, you know, you're not just sitting behind a desk doing your job and not seeing seeing the product of it. Everywhere you look, you're seeing the results from from your work. Every anywhere you go, where where there is a connectivity, anywhere you know, hospitals, you're, you're literally helping people save lives, um, and that's a really, I would imagine, a really fulfilling um, aspect of of your career. Yeah, I think like uh, probably people won't notice if you have power cut. Yeah. But you will notice you have electricity cut or you lost your Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's so true. In no seconds. It's so true. And people get angry when they lose their Wi-Fi because everyone is so used to just having it and it just being yeah. there. And I think, you know, if ever there's a power, you know, um, uh, a, a network cut off at work or or anyone else suddenly it's like well there's nothing to do because everything that everyone does is online these days yeah and also, also the tricky thing is the people how, how how people use electricity don't change that much yeah you you won't if you have one refresh today you won't have 10 refrigerators tomorrow yeah, or exactly. in one year. You still probably have one or two. You have yeah. a very slow incremental use of electricity. Yeah. But for your mobile phone or broadband, you consume much more data. You use more different internet services and you have more connected devices like uh, the smartphone or smart bump or smart homes. So yeah. that's give potential challenging for telecom to manage in those capacity it's such an it's, it's i mean i'm probably showing my age here but i remember when i first got a smartphone and i thought i'm not going to use this for the internet i don't need to and i would use it obviously to send maybe um a whatsapp message so that was using internet but i would never kind of um open up a browser whereas mm. now if I, most of the time, if I need to know something, I'll check my phone and go onto Google on my phone. And, and I think just generally that data usage or, or I'll watch videos on my phone and, and kind of, if you think just that personal usage has gone up and everyone has an app for everything now, there's, you know, not only kind of home heating systems, but one of my light bulbs at home has an app for it to change the color of the light bulb. So everything is, everything is, um, 
app-based and if everything is connected and everything is online, <laughs> um, yeah. it is incredibly important to be able to stay connected to just manage your life these days. Yeah. Um, so I think what you're doing is really important and I think more important than um, than many people realize. So so thank you from all of us. <laughs> um, Tian, I'm, I'm really conscious of your time and, and it's been really interesting to learn about more about the telecommunication sector, but but just how ingrained um, what you're doing is in daily life for everyone and, and to hear a little bit more about your career journey. I just have one final question, um, if that's okay. Um, what, what top tips or recommendations do you have for current international students um, in terms of making the most of their time in the UK, or making the most of their time at Birmingham. Um, and it can be either kind of a personal recommendation for, for personal growth, or it can also be making the most of your time in order to better your career prospects. What, what would you say is the most important thing for students to do whilst they're here? I think for international students who want to have some career in UK, I think it's important to have them practice English as much as they can, mm -hmm. use the career networks, use employment services as much as they can, and apply for jobs as early as they can. That's a really good point. And I think um, some students don't realize that when they come to the UK, um, they kind of have to hit the ground running with job applications because a lot of um, graduate schemes in particular will have their jobs open from August to November may maybe. So yeah. if you're not starting on campus until the autumn term, you really need to be getting, getting all of that ready kind of straight away. So it is, um, I think that's really, really good advice. Um, Tian, it's been wonderful to, to chat with you and to hear a little bit more about your experiences. And thank you so much for your time and, and thanks for talking to me. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm.